0: I'm Jim Blykamp, it's 73822 till uh, 8 in the morning, and I am very pleased to uh, welcome to this program a man who I met for the first time just about a week ago in uh, Freeport. Get very close to that uh, microphone, uh, Abdi, so we can all hear you very well. Abdi Iftin is a refugee uh, living in Freeport who has uh, been residing here on the uh, greater mid-coast for several years now after having fled the present-day chaos in Mogadishu the uh, capital of somalia in the horn of africa if you're not good on uh, geography where a civil war has been raging for about three decades now Abdi, i meant to ask you because this is relevant to where i'm going how old are you
1: uh jim thanks for having me yes i i I just turned 34.
0: yeah i thought you were about uh, 34. by the way you can see a picture of abdi on our uh, facebook page if you want to view the man as we're uh, talking to him he's on our uh, facebook page 34 years old so this civil war has effectively been going on as long as you have been alive you lived in somalia till you were how old
1: uh when i was that's when the Somali Civil War erupted. Okay. Um, so I lived until I was 24.
0: So you knew and nothing but war right, your whole that's, life that's correct. In, uh, in Somalia. And uh, by the way, uh, as, as I mentioned uh, just a little while ago, in just the uh, last few days, and there has not been given a, a whole lot of media attention uh, to the fact uh, that uh, a uh, apparently just a, a lovely woman who uh, was loved uh, by many uh, people in Somalia and by Canada, which uh, became her adopted country. Hodan Nalea uh, was killed by terrorists uh, in uh, Somalia after a returning there from her immigration to Canada. Talk about that. Tell me, you knew her, uh, right? Uh,
1: I, I, I did, yes. So Hodan Nalea was one of a very rare, courageous young woman who, uh, who have actually decided to leave um, her privileged life of uh, growing up and going to college and having a, having a good life in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, she was not uh, that she was not that lucky to be uh, to have seen Somalia civil war but she was uh, 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 you know connected to, to Somalia and the Somalis in general whether in Somalia whether outside of Somalia. So I have met her um, two years ago uh, especially when she had heard my story on the radio and she realized that I had a book that was coming out. Mm-hmm, which um, we're going to talk about. Huh?
0: Which we're going to talk about.
1: Here. Yes, which we're going to talk about. Okay, so um, on and I have really had uh, had a, a quick conversation. Um, and, um, you know, she she was saying, you just came from Somalia and I'm interested in going to Somalia. So we were going different directions. And uh, it's, it's kind of been... Quite interesting to me to say, oh, are you not really scared of yourself for yourself? And she said, well, if we're scared, that's what they need. Oh. So we don't need to be scared.
0: So you're telling me she was not a native Somali?
1: She was a native Somali. I thought she was. So like every other Somali, she left when she okay, was, she uh, when she was right. very young with her family.
0: And uh, what I what I was reading on lawn, online uh, last night indicated that she really maintained her love for uh, Somalia. And she probably would not have left had it not been for the war
1: um i i think she's been um I- I encouraged by the uh, energy of the young somalis and uh, mm-hmm. we, you know it, it there's an estimate that uh, over 70 percent of the somali population are young under 30. Mm-hmm. um so she uh i think she was 46 but she she thought that she she was a uh, a voice uh, uh, for those generation, for the Civil War generation, those that left Somalia and those that are still in Somalia. But she was also part of the uh, reconstruction of of Somalia. Somalia is trying to stand on its feet, um, so she went there, and she was the the first Somali who had really created a Somali uh, English speaking Somali television mm. um, in Somalia and outside of Somalia, and she's been. Uh, She's been uh, very involved, uh, picking up stories from uh, young men and women of Somalis who are doing something amazing. Like she, she reached out to me because I was, you know, I, I published a memoir, mm-hmm. which is also one of uh, one of uh, rare things that you can see in Somalia um, of of those who grew up in the civil war and and telling their stories. So she was someone who realized the strength of a story, and uh, that's what she had used. That was her platform, and. Uh, so the people who killed her didn't like what she was doing. She was sort of bringing the issues out, and she was uh, uh, becoming part of the uh, growth, uh, intellectual and professional of within the young Somalis. And they didn't
0: much like you either when uh, you were there uh, either. Well, or, or was that in uh, Kenya where you were uh, it,
1: it was both, in Somalia and in Kenya. And that's one of the reasons I left Somalia, because I, I received a phone call and someone telling me, Uh, Well, you know, your nickname is American, so we're going to come find you. Mm. Um, So being nicknamed American was, uh, as you can see, uh, was a problem. Uh, Almost costed my life. Uh, On top of that, speaking English, you know, going with a girlfriend, listening to music, uh, movies, Uh uh, dance, and everything else that was part of my life had had been threatened, and uh, it almost costed my life. And that's the reason I left.
0: You were in Somalia and then in Kenya before you ever came to the United States, right? That's correct. And why why do you say you were nicknamed American?
1: Uh, Well, this is interesting, because when I was, I believe when I was 10 or 12 years old, uh, as you can imagine, Somalia did not have anything functioning. Uh, There was no hospital, there was no infrastructure, uh, no cleaning, nothing. But then there was one movie theater that um, just happened to be my school. And when I say my school... Uh, This was uh, a movie, A a Shock, with a little television screen, piles of cassettes Mm -hmm. uh, of uh, fabulous action, Hollywood action movies. We're talking about the Terminators, the Commandos, the Rambos. And I would go there and learn English every night, you know, memorizing words, collecting phrases. And um, so um and then my friends said well you know you sound like arnold schwarzenegger you know uh you know yeah and then they would say it's so amazing you understand what they're saying and i realized i had strength in myself both Uh. which is well guess what i can learn things but also i can become an interpreter translator by telling my friends oh he's gonna do this you know oh he says this and this is gonna happen in the movie and then out of a sudden i became the american um so i was nicknamed american that's how i got my nickname
0: so effectively uh your self education worked against you
1: uh that's correct
0: wow uh let me say also i I really didn't uh fully introduce uh, abdi he has been a radio journalist he has effectively done uh, much of what i am doing uh, right now he is a writer author of the book call me american a story of survival in his native land and his incredible journey to a new life in maine that book is still available at uh, various bookstores and in libraries and i would suspect that if you go down the street here in uh, in brunswick uh, gary lawless who uh, runs the uh, bookstore down there go you know gary
1: Uh, I do not, but I'm I'm guessing that the book's almost
0: all. Yeah, I think Gary would be uh, more than happy to uh, order that uh, for you at uh, Gulf of Maine. So uh, I met Abdi, as I mentioned uh, a moment ago in Freeport, just last week, where you showed up at a town council meeting uh, where there was some uh, reaction from the public, much of it negative, I have to say to a proposal from some council members to use town funds to help the refugee relief effort in Portland. Why specifically did you show up at that meeting?
1: Um, I, I showed up, uh, first of all, as an immigrant myself, yeah, um, as a former refugee and as a former asylum seeker. And uh, I understand the difficulties that the, our new Mainers, uh, newcomers are going through. It's not really something easy, you know, psychologically and physically. And uh, we're, um, uh, we're trying, we're struggling. You know, every day we wake up and uh, we volunteer, we do everything. And what we are trying to get here is one of the most basic things uh, for, for a human being, which is housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, these people are not going to be in the expo for a long time. Uh, and I'm very sure and I talked to some of them that it's very uncomfortable to be there and people have really adventured long way. We're talking about you know, almost eight thousand nine thousand miles from from home. um and I was in the meeting that night um advocating for support. Um, and specifically that I happen to be living outside of Portland, um, and that it's not only Portland that needs to deal with these asylum seekers; that we need to take this issue as a community in general, and that uh, we should be very proud as Mainers um, that we have, uh, you know, people who are you know appreciate and love uh, our state. Um, and, uh, m- you know, basically this this what we see today uh, is, is going to go down into the history. We have younger uh, children that are coming with these families, and these will be the Mainers in the future. They will be the Americans in the future. This is where they will call home. This is where they will, uh, you know, r- probably write books about themselves and say, when I came to Maine, this is how I had been, you know, received. And also one of the one of the things that pushed me sort of to go there was myself. I was hosted by a family that I have nothing in common with. The family was not a Somali, was not a Muslim, was not an African, right? So the fact that now we're talking about uh, the host family program, um, I'm the one, I, I believe I'm one who knows how successful it can be um Mm -hmm. that you know it, it it could be a personal growth because every single day that i lived in yarmouth yarmouth maine uh with a host family ever since i came to the united states um i realized that i had learned and gained so much um knowledge and understanding of of the american way of life um and the things that you could do in maine and uh you know starting from picking up mail from the mailbox to getting a driving license to getting a job and all of that so uh, our new Mainers today are on that stage where they need our support. Um, no one is here to stay uh, uh, in that expo for the rest of their lives. These are people who want to get out, find jobs. Um, and uh, But for now, they need our support uh, to help them stand on their feet.
0: We're going to come back. We, I need a short uh, commercial break. We're going to come back here with uh, Abdi Iftin, and I'm going to ask him next what it's like to be a uh, Somali refugee on the streets of the mostly white, let's face it, white uh, midcoast uh, on a day-to-day basis. We're going to get into that uh, in uh, about a minute and a half here at 7.50 at WCMA. As much a part of the midcoast as Popham Beach and Harpswell. WCME. It is uh, 7.52 now, eight minutes to late. We're uh, spending some time this morning with Abdi Ifton. He is a refugee living in uh, Freeport who has resided uh, here on the uh, greater mid-coast. Exactly how long have you have been here now?
1: Uh, less, uh, uh, less than five years. So let's say four, uh, four years and eight months.
0: It's, it's apparent you're a black man. You don't look much like uh, most people who are uh, living here. On the, First of all, w- why Maine? Why did you uh, come to Maine? Was it in part because of this host family that you uh, connected with? It
1: was the host family that I was connected with, yes. Okay.
0: Ever thought about uh, maybe going uh, someplace else uh, where there is maybe more ethnic diversity, more people who look like yourself?
1: You know what? Um, when I arrived in the fall of two thousand fourteen, um, I I didn't like Maine in the first you know first time, uh, because I thought it was uh, 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 too rural. I mean, there wasn't quite you know a lot of people. Uh, the kind of America that <laughs> I knew from movies was not <laughs> yeah. was not here in Maine. Yeah. Um, uh, however, I think within a year or so, I realized that I couldn't live in Boston or New York or California or Florida. You know, it's it, Maine is a place that. That uh, uh, that you can miss. So um, wow. I understand that uh, uh, being a person of color, and uh, that Maine is considered to be one of the uh, whitest states.
0: Oh, it is the th- whitest state in the union. In the United States. Yeah.
1: Um, so uh, I would I would say that um, the Maine community, even though they d- they don't have the skin color that I have, you know, are very welcoming. There are people mm. who who come and listen to my story, and the people that go to coffee shops with me, the people that Sit around dinner table and uh, you know help each other um, um, in in so many things that I need. If I need in college application, some of the things that I have done in the past, uh, driver's license, you know, um, um, figuring out how to skate, you know, all these kind of things. It was actually the main community that I could connect with, um, and I think each and, and every small town has has a, has a community that. Um, and I traveled as far as Jackman and, and Fort Kent, and mm-hmm. I explored Maine pretty well. And so I you've, been,
0: you've been up in northern Maine, which is uh, even wider than southern Maine is, of course.
1: That's correct. Um, I realize that some of the Mainers are culturalists, you know, some people that feel like, you know, we're our own tribe. We might not even appreciate people from Massachusetts. Um, but then there is a large part of Maine that are very welcoming, very friendly, and uh, so I I do not regret coming here. In fact, I, I think it's it's a great place, and I would love to add by saying that I have done a lot in Maine that I could have never been able to do in Somalia or such, Kenya. Such as? Yes. Um, such so as publishing a memoir, okay, which is yeah. something that could cost my life. I could have been killed oh. if I really did this uh, in Kenya or in Somalia. Um, um, a, a, Speaking up, you know, I, I just became a speaker and I tell the stories um, the way they are um, uh, the truth of, 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 of life. It, it, it's not biased, um, and uh, I, I, you know, that's strength and courage um uh it's something that kicked me out of somalia i could not have been able to tell that story uh when i was a war correspondent but
0: i hear you saying and uh you know i I want to uh, emphasize that i think it's noteworthy i hear you saying that uh, you've been welcomed and all of that i would suspect though you probably had a negative experience or two at some point i mean anybody you drive by in a car and tell you to Go back to Somalia or anything like that?
1: I have uh, run into such uh, experiences, and I thought it was completely ignorant people. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's um, unfortunately that's one side of, of, of the United States, um, and specifically here in Maine. Uh, I work as an interpreter, as, as a translator within the Somali community. And uh, I go to all t- uh, different uh, places, uh, DH- uh, uh, DHHS, I, co- I go to the courts, I go to hospitals, I go to uh, clinics. And, you uh,
0: have several jobs, uh, uh, do you not?
1: I, I, I do, I do, and that was, that was part of, of me uh, interacting with the other main, uh, sort of helping my community and, and uh, contributing to my, to my community, but also there's the other side of, of America that, uh, that we need to deal with. Um, uh, here in Maine, you know, there's the prejudice, there's the... Racism. there's a discrimination that um, uh, on, on some occasion is um, you know some occasion is that sort of come to you and uh, I personally don't know how to deal with it uh, except to just stay quiet and walk away from it uh, mm-hmm. because I'm not really you know it's it's kind of for, for, for those of us recently arrived Afri- you know uh, from Africa from from a Muslim, uh, community um, um, Somalia the, the, the things that you hear in the TV these days with the travel ban and everything else yeah um, it, it's sort of a disappointment it's kind of a betrayal to the American dream to so many of us to, to face uh, such ignorance uh one-on-one on the streets of the united states uh.
0: speaking of that i was going to save this question for a little bit later we're we're out of time if if there's any way you can stay uh past eight uh, abdi i would extend this conversation yeah, i sure. don't know what your schedule looks like it's, it's very fine. interesting what kind of thoughts speaking of where you were going there just a moment ago what thoughts enter your mind when i say the name donald trump to you
1: um ignorance I think um, yeah. someone who doesn't really understand the rest of the world, uh, someone who just sees America one way, uh, and, unfortunately, and uh, that's the a powerful leader that we have. And uh, uh, you know, I, I feel like um, I feel like he doesn't appreciate uh, other people. Um, that uh, you know, he. Uh, I you know that I, I feel like he doesn't really appreciate my story um, sort of ask, saying certain people to go back to their countries uh, it's, it's not only going directly to the people he's talking to it's going to millions millions of people including myself because I am thriving in this country and I'm looking forward to becoming an American citizen and I'm looking forward to voting in 2020 and when the president of the United States says things like that I feel like this is there's nothing more, Hippoc- Hippocratic than this, you know. Um, so and uh, and I, w- I you know, I, I was nicknamed American growing up as a child, but then I be- I'm becoming the real American. Yeah. You know when when it's five years and I'm here. Um,
0: We've only got about a minute to go in uh, this segment, but how long have you been working on citizenship?
1: Um, for now, a little over three months. Oh, okay. Yes. So usually, how it works is you have to be in this country for five years. Okay. You- before you can apply, so
0: you have deliberately waited a while to uh, apply for citizenship.
1: Unfortunately, that's the how the system you, works
0: to satisfy the residency requirement. Right, right. But you are looking forward to uh, becoming a citizen. Sounds like by the end of this year.
1: That's right, and I have never voted in my whole life, so I look forward to that as well.
0: Congratulations! I I will right now extend an invitation to you to come back to this program uh, when you become a citizen. I think I, think I we'd like that. to note that and talk about it. I appreciate it uh, with you. <laughs> Uh, Okay, Abdi, we're going to do some uh, extended news and sports here for about 10 or 15 minutes. But if you can hang in, we have a window from about 8.15 to 8.30 in which we can talk to you further. I'd I'd like to do that because there's more to pursue here. This is uh, pretty riveting stuff. I think uh, you would all agree with me. Abdi Ifton is a refugee living in Freeport who's been on the Midcoast for about five years, just about to uh, become a citizen, fled the chaos that has uh, ensued in Somalia, his uh, native land. Uh, The civil war has been raging there for uh, the last 30 days as long as Abdi has been alive. Uh, really, or at least uh, shortly after uh, his uh, life began. It is now 8 o'clock. Live from historic Fort Andros in downtown Brunswick, your way to wake up on the Mid Coast. The Mid Coast Morning Buzz, WCME. 818. Uh, as I say, this has been a special morning on the uh, WCME Mid Coast Morning Buzz, primarily because of the uh, conversation we had last half hour with Abdi Iftin, a refugee from Somalia who's uh, living in uh, freeport who's been here on the uh, greater midcoast for the uh, last five years is about to become a u.s citizen has written a book called call me american a story of survival in his native land and his incredible journey to a new life here in maine i asked abdi to uh, stay over he has uh graciously done that he has sat here through news through weather through sports probably wondering if i'm ever going to come back to him but we uh, are going to do that in just a moment here at wcme WCME A twenty one now at WCME and uh, we continue talking to uh, Abdi Ifton, a refugee living in Freeport. Been around for uh, about five years. Came uh, out of the uh, chaos in uh, Somalia, a civil war that's been raging for thirty years, just about as long as uh, as uh, Abdi has uh, been alive. He is uh, thirty four years old. Uh, and uh, again he's uh, he's an author he's a, a radio journalist you uh spent some time of course most of your life in uh, somalia and then how did you uh, end up in kenya was uh, your next stop was it not
1: yes kenya was my was my next stop um i went to kenya uh in a kind of um, uh, kind of difficult way, because this was uh, early two thousand eleven when Kenya has uh, uh, closed its border with Somalia, so the border crossing was uh, was impossible. Um, uh, so I had to go to Uganda, um, mm. which is uh, sort of next to Kenya but uh, not next to Somalia. On um, midnight, I uh, smuggled myself. Um, into Kenya, uh, uh, and um, I went straight to Nairobi, which is the city um, where I uh, registered my name uh, and myself as refugee.
0: I assume that uh, you reached a point in Somalia where you just decided you needed to leave.
1: Um, Things have really become very difficult, especially uh, after I became a correspondent, um, someone who tells the stories. Yes. Um, And those were secret Stories. Um, and you,
0: you did that while you were still in Somalia.
1: I did that while I was still in Somalia.
0: And uh, talk about that. You worked for National Public Radio, did, I did. you not? And, I did. How, and how did that happen?
1: Um, so I. I connected with uh, with uh, with National Public Radio um, because they were desperately looking for stories on uh, on the ground in Somalia where there was there was no uh, journalists. Uh, they were either killed or displaced.
0: Now NPR, and- NPR is maybe the broadcast organization in this country that still does the most foreign news. They have a mm-hmm. lot of foreign bureaus. Did they have any? Full time or even part time person on the ground in Somalia.
1: No, there was there was no nobody that uh, actually did, uh, sent any any, uh, okay. any stories out of Somalia. So I became, I became the uh, the, the the voice um, on the wow. ground where um, and be- I was not a professional journalist. So basically, they invited me to um, put together my diaries. You know, and sort of record myself on my day to day day to day living, and I could I would be able to say I couldn't find my mother for three days because that's what the city looked like at the time you know families got separated uh, on the wars happened and uh, uh, neighborhoods torn apart you cannot cross into the other one you know so it was that kind of live where i've really recorded and the american audience who heard my story? Stepped in, and uh, and that's how I got out of Somalia because they supported me.
0: So you're saying you you really uh, took this on more as a storyteller than a journalist. That's correct. Yes. Uh, but that can be very compelling. Just you uh, talking about uh, what you see and hear in a in a war torn nation.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was a personal story. You know, I was talking about myself, my family, my friends, my city, and uh, everything else. So this remember this was a time when telling your own story was uh, 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 you know could kill you. It, cost, wow. it could cost your life. So it was a, it was the most courageous thing I've ever done in my whole life. And I know that so many other Somalis would not have really accepted to do that because you know you can get killed for saying anything against the militias.
0: And the terrorist element became aware of what you were doing for NPR?
1: Uh, They did, and they were trying to find me. um, And uh, that's one of the reasons I really had to uh, quickly and very fast get out of Somalia.
0: And by the way, how did they become aware of that uh, over there? Because I don't think National Public Radio is too much of an audience in Somalia. Or did it develop one online or something? I don't think they
1: found the uh, uh, National Public Radio things that I was doing. I think they found my stories written on uh, the Atlantic Washington Post. Ah, okay. So my story has really gotten out and it's been published uh, on uh, on famous popular uh, uh, newspapers where they have their eyes on. They were looking for things. They found my name. They couldn't find my picture because I just didn't want my picture uh, posted anywhere. And uh, I, if you read those stories on the Atlantic and the Washington Post, they talk about Abdi the American, right? Someone who loves hip-hop, someone who loves speaking English, someone who loves hanging out with girls at the beach, you know, the things that happened in California. And all that I was doing was a crime to them.
0: Did you contribute directly to The Atlantic or The Washington Post or did they pick that up from NPR? So you wrote for The Atlantic and The Washington Post.
1: I, in fact, sent several emails, so many of them, I could say hundreds of emails, and they put together together those emails and uh, made it a, a really interesting long article. Um, that they uh, eventually, uh, you know, publish it on that landing and, yes, on the Washington Post. Let's
0: let's pick up on on that a little bit more. So, uh, eventually, you uh, made your way here to Maine. And how did this book, the book, uh, Call Me American, was written or at least published just last year, right? Mm -hmm. Now, how did that come about?
1: Um, So, for those who are listening, uh, there's a famous episode on This American Life, called Abdi and the Golden Ticket. Oh, really? Yes. So, Abdi and the Golden Ticket. You're
0: a famous man.
1: That was me. (laughs) Um, And it went on air on July 4th, 2015, and uh, thousands of people... Actually, have heard the story, and so many of them reached out to me and saying your story has really uh-huh. touched me. Someone was driving, someone was at the kitchen fixing their breakfast. You know, people have heard the story from across the nation. And if, if I
0: if I could just interject here for anybody who doesn't know, this American Life is a uh, very heavily listened to program on National Public Radio weekly uh, program. It uh, has a uh, quality uh, all its own in which. Uh, Uh, people and reporters uh, tell stories in a very intimate uh, manner there's a lot of a first person stuff people recounting their experiences there's just a lot of very uh, intimate reporting uh, on that program you kind of have to hear it to really know what it's all about but you're saying uh, that uh, hosted uh, by the way by a guy by the name of ira glass who i've met a few times very interesting guy but uh, you were the subject of an installment of this american life
1: i was i was the subject of the episode called Abdi and the golden ticket and entirely focuses mm. on the immigrant visa lottery, uh, sometimes called the diversity visa lottery, which is a program that I have uh, been able to, to, to win, you know, lucky one uh, selected out of uh uh, 15 million people, wow. and uh, so Ira Glass was was actually um, um, you know the, the, the uh, uh, and I met him a couple times and Do, the,
0: did he handle your segment he, personally? He did, he did. He he's did a, he's a very well, uh, intelligent, competent guy.
1: Right, right. So it kind of talks about coming to the United States through this program, and then the listeners have really said you know we're more interested in this young man's life you know grown up what was it like and uh, what's his experience in the United States. That's how the book came together. You know, I had to sit down and think of it, and started writing down my, my book uh, entirely in my native language first, and then um, you know slowly translated it into into English. And uh, it's not really easy to to publish a story in in, in a language that's not yours. But um, I realized that I've been able to sc- uh, convey the message, the feelings, the emotions that I have in um, in in a, in a written uh, English in, in a book, uh, which has really become pretty popular and uh, we're making a movie out of out of the book oh really um yep there's a young adults version based on the book and uh, there's also um uh an arabic version that's being uh, published as we speak
0: it's going to be you talk about making a movie is this going to be more of a typical dramatic film or is this going to be like a documentary
1: it's going to be a documentary that's where okay. that's where yeah. we're headed right now
0: so, i think yeah. that makes sense yeah, yeah yeah this is fascinating abby i ask you again we have a, a news break coming up here at 8 30 would you like to stay a little longer yeah sure that's <laughs> I, I still have uh, I some more questions here. believe me you you uh, will have done the longest interview ever uh, having done <laughs> on this program but it's extremely topical right now and there's just so much to talk about you have had quite an amazing life uh, and you're only 34 years old yeah. i mean you have you've I would say packed about uh, three lifetimes into one so far, and, yeah, th- and there's I, still a long way to go. And I yeah.
1: appreciate everything that I have.
0: I, I, You come off as, as uh, very humble, and I am uh, very glad to know you. And I just want to say, uh, Abdi uh, may be uh, something we've been talking uh, during the breaks. Abdi may be something of a consultant uh, for us on refugee uh, issues here because it's becoming such an amazing uh, story all of a sudden on the mid coast here was in Portland. And it's like the kind of refugee agenda is moving north uh, these days in Maine. So we may uh, be hearing uh, from uh, Abdi uh, quite a bit in uh, weeks to come here on WCME. We're going to do the news. We'll come back uh, with more with uh, Abdi Ifton in in about five minutes on WCME. From historic Fort Andros in downtown Brunswick. Now more of the Midcoast Morning Buzz, WCME. And uh, we're back uh, one more time with a, a man who has uh, become a morning-long guest here. And his name is Abdi Ifton. He is a refugee from Somalia living in uh, Freeport who has spent the uh, last five years with us here on the uh, greater Mid-Coast after having fled the uh, chaos in mogadishu the uh, capital of somalia in the horn of africa where a civil war has been uh, raging for about uh, three decades uh, abdi has told us that uh, the war broke out when he was uh, five years old he's now uh, 34 by the way give a, tell me something about the uh, the uh, city of uh, mogadishu i heard i have heard that that uh, you know was a, a lovely city uh, before the war broke out what's it like now it was chaotic, right?
1: Well, now it's a mess. Uh, it used to be w- one of the most gorgeous and beautiful yeah. uh, coastal towns in Africa that, yeah. uh, that the, you know, the, the Arabians and other nations uh, would come uh, for, uh, 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 do businesses, you know. And uh, there's a part of Mogadishu uh, I describe in my book. Uh, the old town uh, kind of has like Italian buildings. There uh, there's some streets named after uh, Italian cities. There's like uh, Via Roma, you know, uh, uh. Yes, and, uh, you know, uh, they're just beautiful uh, that uh, I I truly enjoyed walking around. Um, But the city is still sitting in ruins. Um, It's been destroyed uh, more than um, uh, any other city that I can imagine after the Second World War. Um, So things are falling apart. Um, There's uh, small parts of the the city that is now uh, sort of standing up on its own. Uh, interestingly enough for the last five years uh, Somali businessmen went back and started rebuilding by starting uh, uh, hotels and uh, clubs and uh, uh, you know mosques and other things and unfortunately they they are being bombed and destroyed mm-hmm. uh for instance we were just ta- a little earlier we were talking about Hodan. Um, the, this yeah we're going somali to talk woman. about
0: her again so, this this by the way we're we're going to get in a somali uh, canadian journalist the, who was killed by terrorists just in the last few days but the building
1: ahead. yes the building that she was when she was killed uh was one of those that that was brand new and uh, and wow. someone had uh, returned from uh, from overseas and went back and started building uh, some some kind of safe house where people could come and hang out and have coffee and chat, right? Um, and uh, the terrorist group, uh, Al-Shabaab, don't like any sort of activity like that. They want the city uh, to sit in ruins. So they came and bombed and uh, if you see the image today on Google uh, where Hoddan was killed, it. It kind of looks pretty scary uh because they have really leveled this this building almost to the ground they you know uh shot at it um, many times and uh and uh, so that is what's happening people are reconstructing and other people are destroying and that's that's the kind of city that uh that that i belong to and uh, it's it's pretty scary as as a as a Somali myself I don't know what to do in, in the near future you know if I would go back and invest and do something
0: I was gonna ask you that do you aspire to ever return
1: uh, the question is uh, the answer is yes I'm
0: sure you'd like to Be- uh, go back and visit uh, I my, my real question is uh, do you, you have any ideas about returning there to live on a long-term basis
1: um, I belong to Somalia okay uh, 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 you know, even, even becoming an American citizen, that won't really mean uh, that I have to say goodbye to my to my country, to my background. Um, I am thinking that I could be a contribution to the growth and rebuilding of Somalia, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that that's going to happen at some point. We have all these disappointments and destruction going on today uh, with a small group uh, that's benefiting from the destruction uh, because it, you know, it, 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 Makes me give up on Somalia, and that's their aim, their purpose. Um, they killed Hodan to scare me. Uh, this is Al shabaab This is right? Al shabaab And by so, the way,
0: is that a uh, is that a fundamentalist kind of uh, terror group? It's
1: an Al Qaeda linked.
0: Okay, so they don't like they don't like music. They don't like they are they are very rigid in there.
1: They uh-huh. are, they are, and they they go around and uh, recruit young men. And uh, you know, one of the one of the things that they use is, is America as an enemy.
0: Yeah. Um, oh yeah.
1: and they have their own version of Islam. Unfortunately, you know, which is uh, just killing and destruction, and uh, yeah. you know, looking for some some, some chaos. And uh, there's no peace on earth uh, according to their world. And um, so the Somalis uh, who are considered um, 98% Muslims, uh, they're fleeing. No, no, nobody's interested in joining their world because it's a pretty complicated world. There's only one way street uh, in, in their world, which is just death. You know, so um, that's partly why I left and uh, we're not, you know, I'm not really interested in that, um, um, in their propaganda, but unfortunately they have taken my country (laughs) and for those of us here, we're becoming American citizens, we're getting married and having kids and our kids are grown up in 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 another country and that's where the Somalis, Somali diasporas uh, meet and talk about um, the future of Somalia how can we go back how can we rebuild how can we have our kids reconnect with Somalia Hodan this young woman who was killed was one of those who left Somalia when she was very young mm-hmm. and she doesn't remember anything about Somalia she hasn't lived through the civil war but she grew how, up how old was she just you know? I think she was 46 oh she's a little
0: older than you yes okay she was okay
1: yep okay um but so she went back and uh, she was killed so that huh. sort of you know makes so many of us feel afraid and yeah. we don't want to go and that's a success for them that's exactly what they're looking for
0: this civil war has been raging for uh, 30 years uh, about uh, almost as long as uh, you've been alive you say it uh, broke out when you were uh, five years old do you see i mean any reason for uh, optimism in in more recent years that sounded for a moment there like you do you see some opening for a resolution, even after 30 years of more or less nonstop chaos.
1: Uh, there's optimism. That's correct. Um, I don't. I don't think this. Um, uh, the, this is small minority group of terrorists are not going to take the country for the rest of their lives. You know, the, the country is the country. It's still there. And uh, for those of us who escaped, are here, and we're uh, uh, connected to our country. And retaking, I think it's quite a slow process. There's an African Union uh, forces on the ground, supported by the United States and the world. Um, There's American military bases in Somalia, and they're bombing every single day uh, bases of of the uh, Al Qaeda linked group. Uh, So they're taking them out one by one, and I think Somalia is rebuilding its police, its military. Um, I think that uh, it's it's quite a slow process, but I think that I have uh, I have optimism in the next uh, few years that uh, we we're going to be in a in a pretty good uh, place where we can go back.
0: Really, so there is some semblance of functionality in the midst of all this chaos over there.
1: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's not only the al Qaeda linked group that's sort of making all this headache in Somalia. You know, there's a tribal conflict that's that's happening. In Somalia, even if Al Shabaab, the Al Qaeda-linked Islamic terrorist group, is wiped out of Somalia, I don't still think that we can have peace. You know, it's not—they're not the only problem. Uh, Somalia is a tribal community, and uh, the, the civil war was started by by that uh, mentality and affiliation. And I think that um, you know that that will probably take quite some time for us to realize that we need to compromise and sort of move on from. From this uh, t- uh, tribal uh, you know identity and sort of come together to, to build our country together I think we will be there I don't know how long that will take but I um Um, Yeah, So there's quite a lot of problems happening.
0: We need uh, one more uh, commercial break here. We're going to take it, come back, uh, go to the uh, top of the hour with uh, Abdi Efton who has uh, been with us off and on since uh, 7.30 this morning. This has been uh, riveting, just uh, learned so much. And as I see, you may be hearing uh, from uh, Abdi in uh, days to come as uh, we deal with a a, a new life as a uh, is a, a community that is uh, taking on uh, more uh, more refugees. We're hearing from uh, one this morning who uh, came up from uh, Somalia about uh, five years ago. Uh, we talked uh, about an hour ago with uh, with Abdi about uh, this woman to whom uh, we both referred. Uh, in the last few minutes, Hodan Nalaya, a uh, Somali-Canadian journalist and videographer who was killed uh, by terrorists upon her return to Somalia just over the past uh, few days. Uh, Abdi was personally acquainted with her. We're going to hear a little bit more from him about that because we have a brand new audience in comparison to Uh, an hour ago. We'll also touch a little bit more on your uh, life here in Maine that I think people would uh, like to hear more about. We'll come back with a few more minutes with Abdi Ifton on WCMA. WCME. As local as local radio gets. WCME. 8.52 now. Eight minutes till nine. Midcoast Morning Buzz. Uh, I'm Jim Blake. I'm spending a little more time uh, with our special guest of the morning, Abdi Ifton. He's a refugee living in Freeport. Uh, came here five years ago from uh, Mogadishu, the uh, capital of uh, Somalia on the uh, African continent. in what they call the Horn of uh, Africa. Uh, left the chaos and and uh, uh, civil war in somalia behind him after uh, having experienced uh, that for uh, his entire life because the uh, civil war in somalia broke out at just about the time abdi was born he is uh, 34 years old uh, again i want to hear you uh, abdi talk a little bit more about this a woman who uh, Uh, was killed in somalia upon her return there by terrorists just a few days ago hodan nalaya a somali canadian journalist and videographer according to something i read last night online her buoyancy and energy drew people in wherever she went Uh, described as a tour. she wore her love for Somalia on her sleeves, spoke about the country at length in broken Somali during evening fireside chats. I believe this might have been on radio or television or something in Canada, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell me more about her.
1: Uh, Well, Haran uh, is is the founder of the first uh, English-speaking Somali television, and she had uh, specifically... Um, interviewed and and told the stories of of success of young Somalis. Um, Let's talk about what she did, for instance, in Canada. Canada has a large Somali population as well. And, um, you know, uh, on on the local television and radios, they talk about the crimes that uh, young Somalis have committed or things like that. They weren't really shedding light on the positive things within the Somali community. So she realized that the story was not told entirely. Um, and especially the uh, good stories uh, within the community. So that's how she sort of started to go around and talk about how the Somalis have really well integrated and started businesses and, you know, going to college and someone is graduating with a certain degree. And she sort of broadened her view and her mission uh, outside of Canada. And uh, she, uh, she, she sort of volunteered. Um, to go back to Somalia and she was well connected with uh, with uh, so many Somali leaders uh, you know including the current leadership that we have uh, across Somalia and um, I think it was a very uh, difficult decision for her to really decide to leave behind everything else that she owned Uh, I think she had, uh, if I understand this correctly, I think she had three kids that she left behind and uh, she left them in Canada so she had to go back to to go back to somalia with her husband and uh, her husband was killed as well um so those
0: those kids are orphans you're saying
1: uh i think so i think that's that's correct so wow. she, she has those kids and and uh, uh i'm not quite sure if if the father of those kids is someone else that's okay. something i can't really uh sure uh, say anything about that but i'm sure that her current husband um was was also murdered uh, because they were sitting oh. together and she was pregnant um, so, anyway, she was. Uh, she's uh, the, the Somali community anywhere is, is mourning her death. So, what this really means is we need to understand that uh, that it's part of the uh, of of the unity of Somalia. It seems like as I as I watch Somali social media and radios and television, we're really united together against this uh, this uh, uh, you know the killing of of, of Hodan and we we realize this as a horrible thing. And Somalis are sharing uh, stories and pictures and videos that Hodan had really done um, across Somalia. So as a tribal nation, it seems like uh, sometimes things like this bring us together. And I've received invitations of uh, of the top Somali leadership myself. You know, um, inviting sort of basically saying, "Don't get disappointed, right? Now Hodan is gone, and there are people like you. You're a publisher. You know, you just published a successful memoir. Your story's out there. You know, you're a great storyteller." We don't want you to freeze and, and be scared and run away. So we want you to stand up. And uh, and I, I appreciate that. And I, you know, I understand that. But I can't, re- you know, it's like I am not in a position to take the risk like Hoddan did mm. to venture out into Somalia and um, have coffee somewhere because it's a feeling of a constant threat like you could get killed any moment well any yeah but day.
0: you you say that but you did uh, take a notable risk in uh, reporting for national public radio in somalia right
1: that that's correct that's way before i have ever left somalia and uh that was partly uh sort of like at the beginning i think hodan has followed that story and that's part of her um you know encouragement um uh, but going back to somalia is uh, at this moment truly is very risk-taking oh yeah and uh you know, and uh, 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 I'm hopeful, optimistic that something will change, but I will keep telling my stories um, and keep writing and, and um, you know, uh, be able to contribute to, to, to the community out there.
0: We've got three minutes to go. I've had uh, Abdi here off and on for an hour and a half this morning. I could go all day long uh, with him. and. Probably uh, not repeat anything. We'll have him back. But in the time that's left to us this morning, one reason I, I love doing interviews like this one is I invariably uh, learn something. And one thing I've learned this morning is that there is a distinction between refugees and asylum seekers. Mm-hmm. And as I told you during the break, I've always been inclined to lump those two together. Explain to me the, the distinction there.
1: Oh, yeah, there's a distinction. Uh, refugees' cases have already been processed and screened for security. Uh, outside of the United States we're talking about let's say refugees from Syria or Somalia their cases have been going on for years in the refugee camp uh, with the United Nations uh, High Commission for Refugees okay. and then the moment they arrive in the United States they're all they're all set they don't have to deal with the government they don't have to seek uh, uh, documents or anything like that they can be they, able to find jobs where and asylum that
0: was, that was your case.
1: That was my case. that's okay. correct.
0: Hey, where you were not stopped from working uh, when you showed up. you could go right to work over here.
1: I could go right to work over here so I didn't have any any issues with uh, documents or anything like that Whereas asil- asylum seekers are in a pretty complicated yeah. situation where um, they have they have uh, you know they have to be approved by the federal government um, uh, uh, based on their asylum cases. For instance, a family would say, you know we've been kicked out of Congo by the war or conflict and then the u.s government has has to decide if that's valid and then after that they could be um uh given uh uh permanent residence so asylum seekers are not permanent residents where refugees are permanent residents and um and for the asylum seekers it's it's a it's a it's a case of uncertainty so they never know if they will get approved if they get denied they could be deported back to uh, to their countries of
0: origin and they can't work for uh, six months uh, upon yep. arrival and i know that that is a bone of contention for some local uh, political people the other night i believe a uh, a uh, city councilor in westbrook uh, pointedly said you know it would be so much easier on uh, these communities trying to help the refugees if the asylum seekers could work before six months do you think uh, that could be that rule could be relaxed
1: uh, yes, yes. I truly uh, uh, would say that they deserve to to, to find a jobs because there's, in Maine, almost every business that I've visited yeah. really need oh, employees. Yeah. And these people are coming with so much energy and they yeah. want to work so yeah. desperately. I mean, it's not, you know, we don't have to raise money or give them clothes and stuff like that. They're here to work. So the, they, uh, we should let them do that, and that would be very helpful to them and to our community because they will be working.
0: Yeah, well, you know, what else occurs to me, why I th- also think it would be good to relax that rule, because if they're not allowed to work, then you have certain people who make assumptions that they're not working because they don't want to work, and that leads to all kinds of negativity and stereotyping, which, you know, we don't want to get into.
1: That's correct. You yeah. Know, that's correct. So yeah uh yeah people have left thousand miles to to come here and work um so no, nobody's here to s- just sleep and not do anything
0: abdi and i don't know what to say i am in awe you have uh, an incredible uh, life story you're only uh, 34 years old uh, you've got uh, so much time left and so many things that i'm uh, sure uh, you will do but you have already uh, done a great deal i so appreciate you coming in here Thanks, Jim. you appreciate will be back for my friend me. you will be back uh uh, maybe uh you know more times than you want to come back sure <laughs> but i really appreciate you coming in this morning and uh just uh, talk for a uh, one moment about uh, the book which is uh, still available call me american call me american
1: great it's, title by the way it is thank you uh call me american is available uh you can find it at the local bookstore if you if you walk up there or uh, you can go on amazon and uh, it's it's um it's been great pretty well and uh um, you, you will you will find uh, those stories that we were just talking about sort of in depth and in details and entirely about my story growing up in Somalia and coming coming to Maine. And uh, I'm sure that people who have read so far have truly enjoyed and uh, yeah. learned so much about Somalia and the culture and everything else.
0: I will be ordering it and uh, and reading it because you've picked my. How could I not do that after this uh, <laughs> interview, Abdi uh, Iftin? Thanks uh, so much for uh, coming in. We'll we will uh, be keeping in touch. Thanks, Jim. So glad I know you. Yeah. 902 at uh, WCME. So now I think uh, we may all know a little bit more about the uh, refugee uh, situation than we did just 90 minutes ago on WCME.